Before we get going this week, I thought I'd just remind you that I'm a certified business strategist who's been in property for over 25 years. I know my clients shortcut their success by being laser focused through strategy and mentoring, as no one business model fits us all because funding, geography, skill set, it all plays a part in deciding what works for you. Getting it wrong can definitely damage your wealth. If you're serious about property, then your first step is a call with me. Nothing more difficult than following the link in the show notes to book it. This is the Property Solopreneur podcast and I'm Rachel Troughton. I'll be talking about everything you need to create wealth by building your portfolio in a sustainable and profitable way. I'll be sharing the realities of a property investing business. I'll talk bricks and mortar, buy to let, HMOs, flipping and planning game, as that's what we all enjoy doing. But I'll also share how to use good systems, processes and find the right professionals to work with. In fact, everything that will enable you to become a successful property solopreneur. Hello and welcome to this week's episode and we're all going to think about what we are doing today in property because I think it's very easy to forget each one of us is an individual. We're all property entrepreneurs and we do it our own way and we should do something slightly different to the next person and still make money but it's very easy to get sucked into the rabbit hole of normal and the best way to do something because we're all reading the same magazines, we're all watching the same programs, we're all going to the same network marketing meetings. It's so easy just to see the same pictures time and time again and for us to think that's what we have to do to make money. If you've been around a while as an investor, step back and think, is this actually everything I want to do? Is there something more I want to do with my properties or work with people in a slightly different way? How can I zhuzh up the whole thing so that it doesn't perhaps become just a cookie cutter? It's a cookie cutter in that I don't have to pay more. I don't have to think about different types of buildings to buy. But what I actually do to them is a little bit different. If you're wondering where I'm going with this, think about the Industrial Revolution. Bear with me, honestly, I've got a point here. The Industrial Revolution was the first time when factory owners and mill owners had to suddenly find places for their workers to live because up till then you lived on the land and it, you know you had a house with your job, basically. But most people who were mill owners and things just went, what's the cheapest way I can rent property to and build places? It's got to be quick. It's got to be easy. Mustn't affect my bottom line. All the usual things that we all think about today. But interestingly, we don't know about those people. We, they didn't survive the, the history very much at all. What we know about and the, the names that spring to mind, and, and you'll know them all, are those that did something a little bit different. Yes, they were property investors. Yes, they were the wicked landlords of their time. And yes, they made money. But they did something spectacularly different, which would have cost money, but made life a lot better for everybody at the same time. Cadbury's, their one, Bourneville Village, is a, is a classic example. Another one is the Lever Brothers, who created Port Sunlight for their workers in the last part of the 19th century. If you've never heard of Port Sunlight, go and Google it. I bet at the moment you're thinking, mm, factory worker, probably your average terrace property. You're so wrong. Those, there's nothing average about those houses. Uh, but the tenants were completely average. You know, they made soap. In fact, the village was named after their most popular brand, you know, Sunlight. But they also invested in things like spaces, trees, gardens. And in fact, today it's the conservation areas. And it can't have harmed their profits because those companies are still very profitable and are found all over the world. 
In fact, in Stoke-on-Trent, no, they didn't make pretty buildings. Trust me, they didn't do the pretty, lovely terrace. They thought slightly differently. They created parks. Now, Victorian parks, for instance, were very labour-intensive because, you know, it was replanted every, twice a season type thing with little this and little that's. And into the workers' contracts, both tenancies and work contracts, and so the story goes. And I wasn't there at the time, so hand on heart, I can't guarantee this is true. It may just be lovely history. The idea was that on a Sunday, the workers had to go and walk in the park. So each different pottery had a different park. And that sounds very constrictive to us in today's society, but we get out and about all the time. Those workers were working very long hours. They may never have seen sunshine in wintertime. And so to make them go outside on a Sunday to take the fresh air, they got vitamin D. They were healthier. Well, indirectly, this was basically financial investment, wasn't it? But outside the box... So I think we can do this. We can do it in our own way. And think about it. How many of us are just vanilla, you know, bland, mainstream, appeal to the largest number of people? And that might be exactly what you want to do forever and a day. But what if you want to do something slightly different? You know, you may find that actually your mainstream appealing to the largest number of people has become in itself a bit of a millstone because you're indistinguishable to all the other HMOs or single lets out there. And it's you're relying on a amazing photographs or pops of colour to make sure you're full. A few years ago, I remember being on a panel about the problem of an overproduction of HMOs in one particular area. And one landlord, who was definitely trying to keep everything going, was actually offering a free laundry service just to get people into his building. So it can be a real problem. So that's when you have to start going, hang on a second, how do I make myself a little bit different from everyone else, but still make a serious profit and not do something that's so difficult, I've got to relearn how to do everything. So I'm not talking here about painting architraves, funky colours and things like that. I'm suggesting you niche not just by genre of building, but by tenant type. Now, I've recorded some interviews with some people coming up in, in future episodes who wish that more of us investors would do just that. Now, they're very active with councils and government policymakers, and they are trying to get laws changed. And some of these laws will be very difficult for us landlords if they do go through. But they're being pushed through and the activists want them because not enough of us are listening to them in the first place. And although, as I say, I don't agree with all their ambitions, I don't. I, I've built houses and some of the ideas that I was hearing would be so uncost effective, you'd never be able to either build them or want to sell them at the price that you would need to sell them for. But they do. These people speak some very core truths and we must pick up where we can help them do some good work back that isn't just about what is the easiest way to make money? Because vanilla to them is not what vanilla to us means. I've just said what vanilla to us means, isn't it? You know, mainstream appeal to the largest number of people. But to them, vanilla means fully able-bodied and probably under 60. Not heard it said like that normally, is it? If somebody said to you, would you like just to build a property portfolio for people who are able-bodied and under 60, you'd probably quite rightly tell me that that was against many rules and regulations. But that might be all that you have produced. Now, if you've only got a couple of buildings or you're on startup, that may be so. But if you've got a lot of properties and you can do this kind of slight manoeuvre, why don't you give it a go? You know, because what happens to all those people outside that remit? Well, one of my guests has lived in temporary accommodation for over five years and she's in temporary accommodation because her past landlord sold up and she had to leave. 
She's waiting for a new property, but she can't move into a new property until it's ticked all the requirement boxes highlighted by her medical people. And her council at the moment can't find her one. And she's not unknown to the council. She works with them. So she's a known quantity. And this is probably caused by the downside to the right to buy scheme, which has been in existence now for 20 years, isn't it? Or even more, I should think, actually. And because the number of adapted buildings in the council portfolio has absolutely dwindled away. And her experience is that landlords don't want to do expensive alterations. Now, I had a conversation with her and many of the alterations she was talking about were not expensive. And she said, well, the landlords don't want to do them. And I would suggest that actually it may well be that it was the letting agents who had said the landlords don't want to do them and probably never asked it at all in the first place because it's just one of those things. They're busy and all the rest of it. Now, if you're listening to me and you know a letting agency that is brilliant with either retired properties or those for the disabled and they are that's their speciality and they do it brilliantly, please, please let me know because I'd love to talk to them and have them on the podcast because it's not most people in that situation's experience. And she also is, she fully understands what we all do, you know, because she works with, with investors on a regular basis. But she's very saddened when she sees an adapted house come onto the market because perhaps someone has died and then it's sold and it's stripped out and it's returned to the vanilla mode. That property was ideally suited for someone with special needs of whatever description. And yet it's gone back into being something that anyone can live in. So as an investor, have you ever thought of thinking, I've bought one of those and all I've got to do is update it, you know, make the handles more modern, bring the colour scheme up to scratch, put a new kitchen in exactly the same and rent it out to someone who's slightly different? Because elderly and disabled people pay rent. You know, they don't want to sit there for free. They do have tenancy agreements. And the great thing is that, as she pointed out, once they get into a property, they want to be their long-term. They're long-term tenants. Is that perhaps what's frightening you? Well, isn't that actually, if you are a long-term investor, what you really want? Somebody who's going to be there for a long time and you're not going to have to pay an agency to keep on finding you someone new and doing all that complicated paperwork and things. Yes, I know you might not get as much money on a monthly basis because you fall slightly behind the rent. But overall, I know that I've worked it out. I've got properties that haven't, who are way behind on a monthly basis to what I could do if I evicted the, the tenant now. But take into consideration voids and, as I say, tenant find and all the other bits, not to mention the fact that every time someone moves out, I've got to spruce up the walls and perhaps do a bit of this, that and the other. They may only be small expenses, but they all seem to add up. Long term, I make more money by keeping someone long term in a property. I've actually got a couple of tenants who were able-bodied when they moved in and are no longer so because one in particular has a long-term illness. Came upon them very gently, they didn't realise it. And it's the kind of illness, I won't mention it, that any of us could get. They'll be with it for the rest of their lives and they've still got many years ahead of them. But what it did mean was that I got a call from my letting agency saying, you know, people in this particular building, well, they wonder if it would be possible for us to take the bath out and for to have a walk-in shower in there because they could no longer use the bath. And well, of course, my immediate reaction was, no, who do they think they are? You know, it's got a bath in the bathroom. And I'd gone great lengths to put a bath in that bathroom. And then I thought about it and I did my sums. And I realised that actually it was a lot cheaper to take the bath out and put a, a walk-in shower in than evict them, go through all that stress and strife and find, you know, have to pay for someone new to come in and they may not stay very long. They'd already been there for a couple of years by the time this happened and they've, we're now into, I think it must be year six after the alteration. 
I think that you know that is I've now got a disabled person living in in my property, and I keep doing the odd tweak for them. They've had some grab rails, and they wanted to have a, a door widened so they could get out into the garden. Big scheme of things. We're not talking very difficult. No more than asking to have. In fact, it was cheaper than some of the electrical alterations I had to do when I did the upgrade. So why don't we do more of this? Well, I think it's because many of us don't know what's required. We're frightened by the idea that we've got to make alterations that we worry about being then responsible for. Well, why don't you find out more? My viewpoint is that actually there are people in most councils who will come along and tell you what needs to be done. And if you've got a particular tenant in mind, you might well find that you can just adapt it for them and then change it as and when they move out, which, as I said, will be years ahead. And if you're worried about, for instance, having to lock yourself in for some time, well, hello, that's exactly what you do if you rent to, say, Serco for asylum seekers or a council if you want to take up the green upgrades. So that shouldn't be a stumbling block to you. And I was shocked that actually the biggest small adaptation that my lady needed, what shocked me the most was it's small adaptations that are needed quite often that are very easy to do as a landlord. And for instance, my guest, she can't use the oven because it's been built into a unit which is under counter. She can't bend. She needs it at waist height or shoulder height. And actually, that's not difficult to do. Lots of kitchens have ovens that are built in at that level. And it's just a case of when you're built fitting in a new kitchen, configuring it differently and doing something a little bit different to all the other ones that you do as a cookie cutter. And if you're putting in a kitchen that's going to last 10 years, does it matter that it's slightly different to all the other kitchens in that road? I don't think so. What's the problem? Now, I'm not suggesting this is for everybody. But if you're an investor who likes to spread the risk and you want a very mixed portfolio of different building types and tenancies, why not give this a thought? You know, why not just start to think about tenant types rather than just the genre of building? So if you're in it for serious cash flow and long-term investment, have a little look. It might take some deep thought and adjustment of expectations. But shouldn't your motto be, why not, as opposed to just going, definitely not? Those sorts of people are the people I love working with. People who want to work differently, who want to work outside the box, who want to make really good long-term profits. Because it's not all about whether or not every single month you make the maximum. It's what you're going to do long-term to run an efficient and profitable property business. Whatever it looks like, they are all different shapes and sizes. And if you'd like to be able to work with me and find out more or have strategy days or really kickstart your buildings and your portfolios, find out how you can contact me through the show notes below or find me on Instagram, Rachel underscore Troughton, or even on Facebook as Rachel C. Troughton. Now, I know it's a terrible shock. There are other Rachel Troughtons on Facebook, hence the C. And if that foxes you, what about looking me up as the property solopreneur? And my clients, well, they range from just tipping their toes into the property water to see whether or not this is really going to suit them to those that are working with private investors who lend them seven figures. And they can do very different things to the person who's just setting out. But the core, the strategies and everything, the way you set a build a company up and everything, that's what needs to be done. And that's what's so much fun. Come and have a conversation with me and let's see how we can work together. Now, you will, of course, have worked out that I'm just talking about renting to the elderly and the disabled. Well, it's not a strange alien concept. I bet that you know a friend or a relative who falls into one of those camps or, is you can see, is starting to grow into one of those camps. And if your friend or relative couldn't find a property to rent because they are deemed to be different or they just can't actually live in a property that's mainstream... Wouldn't you be outraged if they had to live in something that just didn't suit them? 
Well, as a property solopreneur, you've got the power to make a difference. So you're going to lead the pack and start to give some serious thought to niching, not by genre, but by tenant type, and particularly by thinking about whether or not you could do something for disabled or elderly people in the rental market. Thank you for listening to the Property Solopreneur podcast with Rachel Troughton. If you want to create a professional and profitable property business, download my property business checklist now at racheltroughton.com slash checklist. If you found my stories inspiring and my content useful, then come find out more about my mentoring and strategy sessions by going to www.racheltroughton.com and book a discovery call with me. The banner link is on every page. Come and create and grow your own property business. That's the shortcut to success.